drop. Hey there, everyone. Christian Wynn, director of Story Fort, here again. And you're listening to Story Fort Presents Voices of Tree Fort Music Fest, a weekly podcast that dives into the stories behind Voices Festival of Discovery. Tree Fort Music Fest brings in hundreds of artists from all over the globe every March. But this year, we are coming at you in September in 2021. In 2022, we're pivoting back to March. But hey, we're still here to tell you right now in Freak Out February about all things Tree Fort. We're going back to talk about Freak Out Records showcase we're putting on all February. And by the by, they are planning to be, many, all these artists that we're featuring in Freak Out February are planning to be at Story Fort and Tree Fort in 21. 2021, September, and maybe 2022 in March. But today we have Ryan Granger on with Larry Rosen and myself, and he is the force behind the Grizzled Mighty out of Seattle. We once again dive into the Seattle scene, where he's been living these last years, on and off in Seattle, and other spots around the uh, the country, and possibly the globe. He is an amazing guitarist, and go check out the Grizzled Mighty at freakoutrec.com when you get a chance. And we want to say thanks to Up Is The Down is Up for providing this great intro music and outro music. And hey, let's get into the conversation. Here is Ryan Granger talking with Larry and myself. Enjoy. Wait for it to come around and wash over me. Greetings, listeners. We have a treat for you today as part of the Freak Out February celebration. Would you call it a celebration? Okay. That's a takeover. Okay. Yeah. Takeover. Uh, we have Ryan Granger from the Grizzled Mighty, and we also have Jared Bostrom. Did I get your last name right, Jared? Yeah, that's Bostrom. Bostrom. Uh, almost there. Storyport <laughs> intern. Uh, radio voicey, yeah. on-air personality. Intern turned instant as well. Grizzled Mighty super fan. Yes. Uh, yes. So Ryan, I wanted to start with something when I, so, you know, I was unfamiliar with the Grizzled Mighty because I'm old and obsolete, but <laughs> after talking to Skylar and, and guys, oh, you got to listen to Grizzled Mighty. So I did. And I had my little notebook open, ready to take notes. And the first thing I wrote down was guitar pyrotechnics. <laughs> and the more, the more I listened, the more I got the sense that as the band changes, you know, the band has changed. I think it's fair to say, you know, you've never really had a stable lineup. It keeps changing. Mm-hmm. But at the center of it, I think, is you love playing the guitar. And I think you you seem like one of those guys who spends a lot of time in his room playing the guitar. Is this true? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely true. And it seems like your songwriting process sort of follows suit. I, I know on a video I saw, you know, the legendary story of going to the clam shack and doing something in between microdosing and dosing on acid and just playing. Microdosing, yeah. <laughs> but out of that, it seems you got instrumental tracks and then you just went into your room or wherever you go and emerged a pretty fair amount of time later with songs. What is your songwriting process? You know, it's kind of different every time. A lot of the times though, I do like to start off with like a cool like guitar riff, something that's like fun to play or something that kind of catches my ears. And then I'll try to like build something from from that. Because to me, like that's, that's a lot of times the hook of the song is just let the guitar do it itself and then kind of build around it. And what about the words? Where do those come from? They come later. I said, you write the melody later too, right? Yeah, uh, a lot of the time, not, not all the time, but the kind of like 
have to take a step back and kind of see what I've built around the riff and then kind of see like what kind of song this is. And I, you know, I just have like books and books of journals or things I'm just writing down constantly or just like, you know, pages of notes in my iPhone that I just kind of go back through and then start building it from there too. And when you started this project, which is, it was it eight years ago, 10 years ago? It's like nine years ago, nine, eight years ago, something like that. Did you think the whole time, I'm the front man, I'm the singer? Uh, I mean, not initially when I, when I first were getting going. Like I thought, it, I mean, we, we were a duo for a long time, now we're a trio, but initially like it wasn't supposed to be a duo. So I put out a Craigslist ad looking for uh, different bandmates and not really knowing, you know, I knew I wanted to play guitar and do some singing, but wanted to be like a bigger band. And then I found Whitney Petty, who is the guitar player for Thunder Pussy now. Mm -hmm. um, and I picked her up originally as a guitar player. She answered my Craigslist ad. She came over and we jammed. I'm like, oh yeah, let's, uh, we like the same music. And then we couldn't find anybody else to play with us. And Whitney, uh, you know, I'd taken drum lessons in high school and I had a drum kit. And so she got on the drums and we started to make songs like that. And then with the, with the idea of we'll find somebody later to fill in the drums and, and bass. And then we got asked to fill in for a show and then another show and then another show. And then all of a sudden we're, we're just a duo. So. <laughs> yeah. And there's a pretty cool KEXP from, I think, 2013 13. live in studio video where you guys are definitely bringing it. Was, and she's yeah. amazing. I thought she, I'm not a drummer, but I thought she was just crushing it. So you yeah. Guys, she plays Robbie. good though, that's for sure. Yeah. She definitely hits hard. Um, how much input do you have on the other parts of the band? Like I noticed that Joseph, he hits cymbals a lot. Mm -hmm. Is that something, is that a preference of yours or is that all him? Well, a lot of times I'll like give like, oh, I'm thinking something like this, like this part, like, you know, for the verse, go to the right or, you know, go to the hi-hat for the chorus. Or, and, but, you know, other than that, you know, just let them do things. And kind of the same like the bass too. I was like, oh, I was thinking something kind of like this and then let Jules you know, do her thing. I want to talk about the new composition of the band and how the unavoidable, how, how you guys have dealt with COVID over the last year, especially after putting out an album this year and, and sort of, losing that time that you would need to gel together. But I think first we want to play a song, right? Sure. I think we do. Um, I don't know, Jared, do you want to chime in? As a, as Larry put it, a, a super fan or slash just a big fan of the band, you want to talk about their music for a sec, then we'll go into the track? Yeah, of course. Uh, about a month ago, my friend Dandelion, he hosts the show before mine. He pulled out your album and was like, you got to check this out because my show is called The Event Horizon Boogie. And in your liner notes of this album, you talk about the event horizon and everything sort of being crushed down. And I was like, man, it's not every day that you run into people who like to talk about black holes as much as you do. <laughs> and the reason I talk about that is because there's such a force that this album has that it works on so many different levels. It's not your typical like psychedelic or stoner rock album. It has a lot of different flavors and textures. And I think it fits with the theme it immediately grabs you. It's a good album starter. Good place to start the episode. Yeah. And right. just also, you noted earlier before we got, went on air, so to speak, that this song was released on First March thing. 6th. I mean, the, like, it just, just to kick off the at least American apocalypse. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's a great, a great video available, but why don't All we right. just go into it? Let's um, get a yeah. Here's Rewind.
we're back. And this might be just a matter of my own taste. But the thing about, uh, Ryan, your, your music, this kind of dirty, bluesy, it's, it's really, I don't want to say inspirational because that's not, it just, it kind of hypes you up. Yeah. You know, it, it really, from the first note, it, it's impressive. But let's talk about Rewind. Rewind was your, your first single. March 6th must have been a great day for you guys. That's fantastic. <laughs> and then what happened? Well, yeah, it was kind of, I mean, touch and go for, you know, the first few months. We had a bunch of different touring lined up and release shows. And so we kept just bumping back the release dates, hoping that, you know, the world wasn't going to end. And here we are, you know, how many months later, nine months later, and still everything's closed. So at some point we had to like make the call, either we, are we going to sit on the album until, you know, things open up again or, or put it out and ended up putting it out. I'm glad we did because it would drive me crazy if I just sat on the album for nine months. So yeah, that was the rerun was the first one, first track, first single. You know, that's a good point you raised too, is I think now the, with the benefit of hindsight, we sort of, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've sort of forgotten what March and April felt like. Right. We talk about it now like it was a dangerous inconvenience, but back then it was really like, oh my God, why am I worried about the record to put out? Since you were worried about the record to put out, and you should have been, how have you guys coped with, actually, let me back up a little bit. How long have, have you had this, this lineup together and how did you put it together? So I had done one tour in Europe on the last album with uh, Faustine, who's the previous drummer. Mm-hmm. And we already had another one scheduled that I knew she wasn't gonna be able to make. And then I ran into Jojo on Capitol Hill. And I know Jojo because he's also the drummer in Rainwolf. And so Grizzly Mighty and Rainwolf have been playing together for a long time. And I asked him what he'd been doing. And Rainwolf was you know, kind of on pause for a minute. So I asked if he wanted to go to Europe and then I saw Jewel play at the tractor um, like a few weeks after that and thought she was just a great, you know, bass player and, and performer. And then asked her if she wanted to be in the Girls of Mighty for the next round. And that was kind of it. Just kind of saw him on the streets. <laughs> How long ago was that? Um, 2018, I believe. Okay. So that's the lineup for this album, mm-hmm. but it's still a fairly new lineup. And I know just from reading that everyone's got other projects going on too. So what have been the challenges when you add COVID on top of that and you can't get in the same room once a week and play music together? Yeah, it's, it's real difficult. So Jojo has been stuck down in Texas uh, at his parents' place since March. Oh my um, so on the video and the live session that uh, for Freak Out, we had uh, John uh, play. He was also in this band called Mo- Monster Watch. So John isn't on the album. JoJo's on the album. But for the live sessions, you know, JoJo's been stuck in, in Texas. So John has been filling in. Uh, but it's been difficult just to, you know, find time and space and make sure everybody's safe and still be able to play. And then John had to, like, learn all the songs because, you know, he, he didn't know them. That took some time, too. And... Yeah, it's been difficult. Yeah, I'm curious, like how you hooked up with Freakout Records too, and Guy and Skylar. I've known Guy and Skylar a long time. So when we we've been talking about doing like putting out an album with them for quite quite some time too, and this one it just you know it felt felt good. Um, 
And so we just decided to like, even beforehand, uh, before like recording was done, that it was going to be a freak out album. So cool. Yeah. Skylar kind of grew up, uh, you grew up in Spokane, as we talked about earlier, kind of out there. Skylar, I think in an even smaller Idaho community. So right. <laughs> I don't know, this kind of music, I guess this is a little sidebar. Does your music reach Spokane? Spokenites, I don't know what we would call them, but like, is it, is, is it like a native native son, so to speak? Is that is this like somebody? Are you somebody that they know? Like, oh, this guy from this really cool band. Yeah, we we play um, we play quite a few of the the festivals that they had um, this last last summer, not this summer. Uh, we played like in the the downtown Riverfront Park with the Dandy Warhols, and that was a lot of fun. And I think the time before that, we played with Lucas Nelson downtown, and so we, they, we usually you know people from school come out and say hello and it's <laughs> nice to see some familiar faces. That would be nice. So I guess looking forward then, you're in Portland now, which sort of surprised us. I didn't know mm-hmm. you had moved. You said what in our email chain back and forth, you said, you know, ask about what comes next. All right, so what will come next? And, you know, is JoJo going to be able to come back? Is this lineup going to stay together? I almost think of you guys as a small business in how COVID has impacted you versus how COVID has impacted the Foo Fighters. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I'd love to keep this this lineup. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. We all gel really well together. So you know, just got to figure out once JoJo's like family can get like vaccinated. It's kind of been the biggest hangup for him because you know he his his parents are at risk, so he can't be going places and then going back to you know stay there. But you know, with the light at the end of the tunnel, I think we're going to be recording another album this uh, early spring. So we got a little writing session scheduled for next week and gonna, gonna get to it. I think we're gonna try to record a stu- at a friend's studio down in Reno, which should be fun. But yeah, just kind of keep pumping them out. How do you, how do you practice when, you, when you're scattered around the country? You don't really. I mean, <laughs> you gotta practice by yourself. Um, so yeah, just everybody does their homework. And by the, when we get into the place together, you know, we're kind of just, we all know our parts and know what we're supposed to do. And, and we can just just clean everything up. Does it have a a pot? Does it make it easier or harder to to tour when you don't see each other regularly? Harder for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, are you guys in the in the in the van or the bus or in a car? Uh, it kind of depends on where we're at. Um, usually a van. I read somewhere that you guys at least rehearsed or maybe hashed out some ideas in an oyster farm for this album. Yeah. Do you think that has any effect on your sound? Yeah, for sure. Do oysters um, infect you in any way? It was more acid, I'd say. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a grungy, you know, dark, dirty uh, place. Oyster. Yeah. oyster shack. So, um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think just being there uh, in the environment and our state of mind the way it was, I definitely think it affected how the album came out for sure. It definitely gives the sound more of a aphrodisiac quality, I yeah. think. <laughs> they might be pushing it a little far, maybe. With those. That's okay. But I, you know, I wasn't there, but I think. Yeah. Before you go to the song, Chris, can I ask you a question, Ryan, about the oyster shack or the crab, the clam shack? Yeah. When you receive an, an offer like that, when somebody yeah, I got this uh, clam shack on the coast, or I'm assuming, and just come on out there, are you aware that, oh, this will be a cool experience and it's potentially a legendary story. <laughs> well, we, we just thought it'd be fun to go do. Um, yeah, we needed a place where we could be really loud and really late. 
And so it needed to be, you know, not a whole lot of Airbnbs are going to let you do that. Um, so this kind of worked out for uh, what we needed. And he had a stage um, set up there in PA already and like a little bar. He used to throw shows in his uh, clam shack like back That's in the day. Cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's no video of the clam shack sessions, but uh, maybe some like cool clips here and there. I have, yeah, I could probably send you guys some if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think uh, it's pretty cool just to get, be able to escape. It's a you know, a writing retreat, a music retreat. Uh, you know, sort of like what you guys had out there. I can I can kind of imagine it in this legendary way that'll probably like Larry said be a great story. But here are the songs. So what happened to you? And don't really mind.
are back. The song that, that stuck stuck out to me there was I Don't Really Mind It. I mean, this is a comment. It's more, it seems more accessible than the other songs, a little more melodic than the other songs. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to use that uh, observation to just sort of jump off into talking about your background as a musician and growing up. I think, did I read you, your first instrument was a saxophone? Uh, I played saxophone. I played piano before that, though. Yeah. So pretty and, and from a really young age, I think your grandmother got you into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you came of age as a music fan, what did you like? Like guitar. I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of uh, like, you know, dad rock. My, my, my dad's like ACDC and Hendrix and ZZ Top and CCR and, and Lizzie. Wow. And all that. So I liked the guitar. And did you... <laughs> Did you reject that because your dad listened to it or are you like, this is pretty good stuff? Oh, that's great. <laughs> but at some point, it seems like you took a turn and ended up in blues land. Yeah. Um, I think just kind of by the nature of being a duo, can't really do like all like the big, just, just simplify things. So blues, you know, bluesy riffs, you kind of just leaned itself more to a duo um, it's arrangements and, you know, a way to still be able to sound full without having more people there. Um, so I think that's, and I, and I really like the blues and old, old blues, like, uh, you know, Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf and Junior Kimbrough. And, um, so How did you find that stuff? I don't, I don't know. I think just, just kind of researching what like those classic rock bands were listening to when they were making their music. And so that's kind of how I got into blues. Like, Oh, Zeppelin, uh, you know, covered this song from this person or ripped this person off or, um, you know, Billy Gibbons is playing this riff uh, from this guy. And then it's kind of went backwards. Did you have the, the cool older person showing you this stuff or did you come on it all on your own? It kind of came on on my own really. And, you know, as a, as a blues duo, naturally, you're going to hear the Black Keys, White Stripes mentioned to you. Is, is that a compliment or do you not like hearing that? I mean, they're, they're pretty successful bands, so, you know, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, I kind of heard a little bit, a little bit of a crampsy sound, too. Yeah, yeah, some kind of crampsy kinks, kind of a little more punky edge sometimes in the earlier stuff. Yeah, I would just like to say uh, your guitar tone especially reminds me a lot of uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company. Hmm. I was just wondering, like, I, I hear that that influence in your sound of those kind of dad rock bands, as you mentioned. I feel like those guitar players just kind of reached a little further. And I hear that in your music. And so I was wondering, like, when you're writing, how long do you like marinate on a song to really put those finishing edges there? You know, probably, probably too long. Um, mm. Less so with... Uh... This last album, I was kind of like thinking, you know, what what's what sounds fun. Like, don't think about it too hard, and if it feels good, just go with it. As opposed to some of the other albums, you just overthink and overthink and overthink, and then like you kind of lost the idea. So I didn't want to do that so much with this one. So kind of more a lot of time, first idea, best idea. Let's let's keep rolling with it, and that's kind of how this one came. How's that contrast with playing live? Live is, uh, I don't know, I, I love playing live shows. It's kind of what keeps me going with it. It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy. You know, a lot of times it's a little quicker, like you can hear in, in uh, some of these sessions, live sessions, like we play a little quicker. Um, but when you're at the show, it doesn't really seem quicker. It's just kind of just more energy. And then I kind of forget that the album is slower sometimes. <laughs> it seems like, at least with this lineup of the band, 
And I guess with Whitney, I, I didn't see any um, footage of the intermediate lineup, but I would guess your live show is pretty well regarded. Um, I, I gotta say, Jewel plays off you pretty well. You're both kind of nuts up there. Yeah, Jewel, Jewel fills out the stage real well. <laughs> <laughs> and besides the stage, how does having a basis fill out the sound? Oh, that's great. Um, it allows me to, you know, noodle around more. Um, you know, I started buying more guitar pedals and, you know, writing, you know, and playing more extended solos, whereas like a duo, like I can only do so long before having to go back to the rhythm. So you don't like lose the song. Um, so yeah, this is a lot of fun for me to be able to just try different things that I, you know, I wasn't able to before and kind of make songs just structured differently entirely um, because I have more options now. Hey, Jared, yeah. do you ever hear, do you ever hear any psycho candy era, Jesus and Mary chain in any of these songs? You know, I do a little bit. I thought I did too. And I don't, how, how do you feel yeah. about that, uh, Brian? I like it. Like yeah, it. doesn't yeah. come out of left field. <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah, I, that was a great album and era for um, some '90s music. I, that was was or was that late '80s, Mr. Rose? Uh, I'm sorry, that was 1985, my friend. <laughs> was it that long ago? Well, sorry, years. Yeah, but that yeah, I, I definitely you mentioned <clears throat> mentioned that to me the other day, Larry, and I definitely. Remember that. Heard that as I went back and listened to some Jesus and Mary Chain. Like those early Jesus and Mary Chain albums were playing around just with noise a lot. Yeah. I don't feel like you're playing with noise as much. It's it's still more melody. Yeah. Yeah. But I like noise too. Noise is cool. Noise is cool. <laughs> yes. And yeah, seeing footage from some of your shows live, just, you know, um, online, it seems like people. I mean, I think like the, the lead shot on your webpage is like you being like body passed through a crowd. And, like, it seems like a lot of really fun energy and like chaos. And I don't know, I'm sure you, like you said, you really kind of lean into the, the live shows and man, it's been really cool to connect with the bands themselves, these freak out bands, just to kind of almost feel like something is normal in the musical yeah. world but uh, <laughs> did you play a show at, in like in sun valley or where is this like a sun valley idaho song or is this just yeah. kind of um yeah i've been through sun valley quite a few times it's kind of it's a song about my grandma actually so she yeah she lived over kind of around that area for uh quite a long time um and then she had passed uh as i was writing this song and so i i made a song for my grandma that's pretty that's pretty sweet and like yeah do you think was she someone who listened to your music and but did she rock no, out to this? <laughs> not really um uh, this my mom's mom she's the one who got me into music and kind of why i play music but this is my dad's mom and she was a different person uh she she's a native american and very spiritual and loved to like to be on her land and kind of just like be out in nature and not she wasn't a city person at all so she kind of like liked to you know keep to herself, but she had a lot of good stories. Well, it's a great song for sure, and this is our last one on this episode from the Freakout Live sessions that you can find at FreakoutRecords.com, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those, and the, yeah, there's a whole bunch of those, and you you recorded these as we were talking about on one of the breaks in the studio. You recorded the album, and we're gonna get two album tracks to kind of close out the episode today, but uh, yeah. Anything you want to say about the space itself where you recorded this stuff? 
Yeah, I love, I love Kill Room Studios. It's a really big space. It's almost like a warehouse space. So you can turn everything up and get some really cool loud tones and make the drums sound really nice and open and, and roomy. So it, it's, it was a lot of fun recording with Ben Jenkins down there at Kill Room. I would recommend it. Nice. Jared, your band can play there in the, in, or record there in the, in the near future, perhaps. But uh... Someday. <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool sun valley here it is
right. We are back from Sun Valley. I want to talk a little bit about 2021, but before that, let's talk still a little bit more about these sessions that these first four songs come from. I actually didn't get to see these sessions, but I noticed that you did get to work with the mad alchemist, Lance Gordon, who puts on incredible light shows. I got to see him with Earthless, but he's worked with everyone from like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard to Rocky Erickson. I just think he brings such a great energy to live music and to have to have that be streamed with his light show you know there hasn't been i I know i'm going out on a limb here but there hasn't been a whole lot of live music this year and i think bringing him into the fold really brings that energy through to like a streamed concert and that's been like a supplemental experience to me this year and so i'm just wondering as an artist how do you view live music coming back how do you see that interaction with your fans going into the future and at least into the near future. Yeah, I think once this vaccine kind of gets out to everybody, shows are going to be pretty wild next year and the next year when everybody's just itching to go see shows, musicians are itching to go play shows. So I think it's going to be a live music frenzy and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, these streaming shows, they're they're better than nothing, but they're it's not the same, you know? So which is, it helped with uh, having, you know, Matt Alchemist at his, his light show because it made it something a little different instead of just, you know, having the same people or same kind of setup where you're in a studio or you're at home and kind of just playing to a camera. So I wanted to do something that was, you know, just still entertaining to watch and, and fun for us to play. So that's where that came in. But I think next year is going to be pretty wild. I think probably by fall, right when Treeford is supposed to be going on, I think everybody's going to be pretty loose and ready to go. How hard is it to get that level of energy that you need when you know you're playing for no one? Is it sort of like when an actor is supposed to cry and they say, think of the saddest thing you can think of? Oh, I mean, we have a lot of fun just playing together. So it's not like we have to like force it. You just have fun playing with it. So it's definitely not the, it's not the same as like feeding off the energy of like a crowd, but you know, it's still, it's still fun to play. Yeah. So let's, let's move into 2021. I, you know, I, I, feel for small bands like you guys, because I know that since the, you know, the industry has changed so much, it really, the primary source of income for bands is touring now. Mm -hmm. Um, And once you take that away, I don't know what happens, but you had, I think I saw, I think it was the freak out interview. You had mentioned that you had, you've, you've had to reschedule your European tour three times. Where does that stand now? We're looking for October, November, of next year in Europe. So right now, so hopefully uh, everything goes, you know, as scheduled with that this time. I think it will. I think our our agents wouldn't book another one if they didn't weren't confident it was going to happen. So, yeah, looking forward to get back out there. Um, it's a lot of fun to go tour over in Europe. Uh, you know, being a different country every day, it's a lot more fun than just driving down I five <laughs> for twelve hours at a time. <laughs> do, you, do you think people have this sense? People in the bands have this sense of we can't wait to get out there again, or does anyone have a sense of geez, when is this just going to be over? Both. Yeah, everybody's you know holding their breath, waiting for this thing to be over. But everybody, I think, is going to be ready to go. Um, the ones, you know, it's hard to keep together a band. So I'm sure a lot of bands are probably not going to be as active. But the ones who did keep busy in the off, off season, um, I think they'll be ready to go. It'll be a lot of fun. That was actually my next question. Do you think there will be any attrition of bands who just gave it up? Yep, for sure. I mean, that happens just with regular life stuff anyway. But, you know, with COVID, a lot of people's 
life situation changed. People moved, you know, people had babies or dogs and <laughs> doing different things now. Um, and that's just kind of part of 2020. Right. Or even just how you picked up your drummer, you know, Jojo, because you would tour with his band or you would play with his band and like that kind of stuff is not happening. Those connections are yeah, just, true. Um, it's, it's like this organic process. I'm sure a lot of times just how bands are formed or putting out Craigslist ads, like you mentioned, those aren't going to probably be answered that often these right. days. This is, yeah, I think it'll, you know, it'll be a little dicey for a bit, but um, I yeah. think there'll be a ton of energy coming back. Um, so hopefully you, right in tree fort time, like you said. So. <laughs> do you think there'll be any sort of lasting effect what COVID did to independent music? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Things are going to get shaken up. And I, I don't really think people know just yet where things are going to land, like let's say a year from now. Um, you know, there's a whole Save Our Stages campaign um, that's trying to get Congress to, you know, help help small independent venues out. But Congress isn't good at doing anything right now. So who knows? Um, I hope they, they get the funding that they need to get through it. But I know even like a, a lot of the, the larger companies went through major layoffs like Live Nation. And mm -hmm. who knows if that's going to come back the same way or if what the landscape's going to be looking like. It's hard to say right now. And how's it been for, for you guys emotionally? I know that, I mean, you know, the difference, you know, writers can always just go sit in their room alone and write, mm -hmm. but bands are collaboration. And how challenging has that been? Yeah, it sucks. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. Uh, I was just talking last night about this is the longest I've gone without playing uh, in front of people in probably like 12 years. And yeah, you get like withdrawals from it. So I'm sure a lot of other musicians are feeling the same. And even going to shows, I'm sure that's a big part oh, of yeah. life. Yeah, I was, usually I'd show like three, four nights a week. Just some, want to see somebody's band in town or see some friends and that's not there right now. Crazy times, but I mean, would you say in general, you guys survived it and you're looking forward to 2021? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, we're, like I mentioned, we're doing a little writing session next weekend. I'm going to try to get a batch of just like bones for the next songs together in the next month. And then I think in February, I'm going to try to go start tracking to Reno. Um, so that'd be fun. And then me and Guy from Freakout and Acetong, we started this like little side project with this two group from Mexico. That's um, right. You mentioned that. So that's been a lot of fun. I haven't done something like that before, where it's all in Spanish. Uh, the, the two people in Mexico, they're, they're singing. And I go back and forth between playing guitar and, and bass um, with Guy. So What's that sound like? Um, it's kind of like psychedelic garagey punk rock i guess hmm. you just invented that cool. <laughs> those were all words that i like yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we're gonna get to two last songs what are these songs larry these are off the album confetti teeth uh my little ripper and lazy susan not named after the band the, the famous uh almost, yeah. almost famous i guess um seattle band but Lazy Susan, that's, this is my favorite song on the record. Are we playing My Little Ripper first? Second favorite song on the record. You're going to so. be editing the episodes so you get to choose. So, yeah. I am in control. Yes. So, yes, yeah. my two favorite songs on the album. <laughs> well, and, and before we go into these, since we're wrapping it up, Ryan, why don't you give us uh, the band website, any place, Twitter, all the other social medias where people can find your stuff? 
Oh yeah, the the website's just thegrizzledmighty.com. Twitter is just grizzledmighty because they wanted to let me put the in there. Oh. Many letters. Oh. Uh, and Instagram, thegrizzledmighty. Facebook, thegrizzledmighty. And Spotify and Apple Music and all that and stuff. Th- and this is normally when we tell bands to tell people where they're touring, but it, alas, it's 2020. Alas. <laughs> we know you're slated for Tree Fort 2021 in September, though. So that's, Yeah, we'll be in yeah. Boise in September, that's for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure Jared at Radio Boise would love to have you in studio, either doing oh, yeah. a, a bit of an interview or an, a live session during the festival. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, we're beefing up our uh, video production right now, so we'd love to have you down when the cool. time's right. Yep, count us in. Cool. All right, well, here are the songs, and want to thank you so very much. Thank you. Um, Brian, for being here, and um, Larry, for your being here, and yeah. Jared, from, you know, just, I think it is kind of worth mentioning that you made the effort to drive to a Starbucks parking lot and sit <laughs> in the back of your car because your internet at your other place, your work or home, was was down. So you made the you made the effort. So I'll, I'll tell you, it's not every day that you release your top ten albums of 2020, and then the next day you hear that the podcast that you're involved with is featuring the artist that you put in the top 10 and then your internet goes out and then you have to go to a Starbucks to get on the Zoom call for it. So anytime that happens, I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> this has been great and thanks so much and um, we'll hear these songs and um, what, what do we like to say, Larry? We'll see you at the fest. We'll probably say it again post-song, but my gosh, we can't wait to see you at the fest. Um, the Grizzled Mighty, which is a very great band title by the way. I love that name. So here they are. Take them away.
Okay, everyone, that was Ryan Granger of The Grizzled Mighty talking with Larry Rosen and myself about all the things, Seattle scene, Tree Fort, his life as an artist, etc. It was super fun, really interesting. We thank him for his time. We thank the uh, Freak Out Records folks for putting this on with us. This has really been great to get back into the music mode and to kind of have these listening parties and conversations and kind of think about September, about, you know, seeing some live music here in Boise, Idaho. But, hey, uh, you can find out about all things Freak Out Records at freakoutrec.com. You can find out about all things Tree Fort at treefortmusicfest.com where you can get your tickets and all your gear and all that kind of stuff as we're kind of in 2021, you know, waiting with bated breath, as they say. And uh, we want to thank Eavesdrop Studios for being a great host and all that awesome stuff. We want to thank our team, the Tree Fort team, and everybody who helped put this podcast on. So that said, we shall see you at the fest. Tomorrow never came